What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Down and Out, the sports and entertainment podcast, taking the world by storm. Dom Tibbetts alongside Evan Ryer. What up? Two sports quote-unquote professionals giving our best shot at the world of podcasting, but we like to have fun, we keep things loose, and a lot to get to today. Sweet 16, the NBA trade deadline, and me and Evan are about to get really passionate about some dairy products. As always, I mean, that's just Thursday for me, so... Um, you know, yeah, that's what I do. It, it really is what gets the people going. So without further ado, let's just bounce right into it. Let's get into it because I'm excited. This weekend, starting Saturday night, sweet, sweet 16 action tipping off. I guess we'll just start right up in the West. Uh, if you heard our previous show, we broke down the first two, ra- two rounds of just absolute madness in basketball. So many good games. And really, I'm, overall, I guess I just want to get your thoughts, but... Before we start talking about the matchups, just really good basketball. Really excited for what we're about to see this weekend. You know, it's only going to get better, I, I, you know, I hope anyways, and I expect. It's one of those things where college basketball is wildly entertaining for both the reasons that it's, you know, you can watch some absolutely garbage level play. Like, it does happen, you know, bad stretches without scoring. There can't be fun in that. But also, those moments, man, you can't beat when a team is hot and you know that, you know, a guy, when he gets it kicked out for the open three in a big moment or something like that, that that never gets old. I mean, it just won't. And, uh, you know, as the, the quality of basketball is kind of sharpened down to the final 16, I think uh, we're only going to be more entertained. Yeah, and it's, like you mentioned, there's the allure and the, I guess, the magic and that kind of awe factor of just being able to see the buzzer beaters and the upsets again. And after not having it for a year, it was just refreshing in the slightest. And not to mention, too, as we'll get into it, both of our teams still in the tournament at this point. I think everybody could have assumed your your team, Alabama, was here. But Syracuse, once again... People doubted them, and the Orange are dancing in the Sweet 16. But before we get into that, let's talk the number one overall team in the tournament, Gonzaga, going up against Creighton. If you listened to the last episode, me and Evan are both not Creighton people. Not on the Creighton train. Just not in the slightest. Well, you know, you brought up Alabama, too, and it's something I didn't even mention in the last episode, but the last time Alabama went to the tournament, they lost to Creighton and Dougie McBuckets. Uh, in the Dougie, opening round, the Beijing uh, Shark legend Dougie Buckets, he, uh, and they played like awful too. And Creighton played very bad. And honestly, Alabama should have won that game and lost by a singular point. Um, and so, you know, I, I I hold some ill will from that. But just in general, never been a huge fan. Not to say that I'm a huge fan of Gonzaga either. But I mean, when it comes down to it, when you start to break down this matchup, it's just I mean, it's very very clear. I think what you know, the expectation is and what I truly believe will happen, which is just a curb stomp symphony. Um, I, I just don't see how, you know, Gonzaga doesn't just, I mean, 20 points at least, you know, it's kind of, kind of where I'm looking, but you know, college basketball is college basketball. So I can't wait to be proven wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, just watching Creighton's path to get there, right? A one-point win over over uh, UC Santa Barbara, and then just uh, they came out, played well against Ohio, but I think Ohio was a little bit in over their heads to even be in that situation uh, from the get-go. I'm thinking the same thing. Gonzaga is just playing as good of basketball as you can be in this situation, and rightfully so, being the number one team. My only concern with Gonzaga is in how many years do you see Gonzaga be the number one team, a number one seed, pinnacle national championship run, and it falls short 
literally in this stage. The last time I can remember, 2016, they lost in the Sweet 16 to the Syracuse Orange. So, I, I, a history not on the Bulldogs' side here, but you know we, we shall see. And quite frankly, if I'm still a betting man, even if I did the got to do my bracket over again, I'm taking Gonzaga 10 out of 10 times. Oh, for sure. I mean, that spread is right now at 13.5, I believe. And honestly, I would hammer Gonzaga to cover. I, I feel really good about that. And and then, you know, I mean, I, I think the big difference between this year's Gonzaga team and maybe previous years is that while previous teams were also dominant, I really don't see a weak spot, at least in the starting five on this team. I mean, they're deep too, but I mean, you think about Jalen Suggs. I mean, he's arguably the best player in the tournament at this point. You know, now that Kate Cunningham's out, I would say that was his number one competitor. He's gone. So Jalen Suggs is arguably the best player left. And the way Drew Timmy's played in the past two games on the inside, he is, he does, he's just like, uh, I forget the guy's name for, uh, for Loyola Chicago right now. But he's like him. He doesn't necessarily look the part, but the dude right. can ball. He can ball. Those and, are those uh, sneaky dudes. The, the, the dudes that look like they maybe are a gas station clerk at a 7-Eleven, like, and they just come up and they kind of lace up the and ones, and they're just absolute ballers. Like Those are the guys that make March, March Madness. Those are the guys you absolutely have to keep your eye on on the basketball court. No doubt. And uh, I think I think it's just, you know, at least, you know, we can talk about later how far exactly Gonzaga can go or if they'll clearly beat everyone else remaining. But I think for uh, for Saturday, it's uh, it should be a lock that uh, that they they beat Creighton by a pretty good score. And who they will play will be the winner of USC Oregon, a 6 7 matchup in the Sweet 16. It's not often we're kind of treated to this, but as we alluded to, more so you on this, Evan, that you said in the previous podcast, probably one of the best balanced matchups in terms of two teams going against each other that would be a problem for anybody else playing against them. Yeah, I mean, really, well, what I was saying, too, is that from the, you know, Pac-12 perspective, like if, you know, someone's just purely cheering on the Pac-12 in basketball, which, you know, based on Twitter the past week, those people have been coming out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I This sucks. Like, it sucks to have to watch two really hot teams, two really talented teams, you know, go up against each other because, like, you don't want to see that. You'd, you'd rather you know, I mean, see. They, they both seem like they're playing their very best basketball, and I, you know, as – I, or at least, like, I'm happy that, you know, I mean, my team doesn't happen to have to play them. But from the other perspective, from that Pac-12 perspective, it's definitely a bad beat where you're like, man, we got four teams in the Sweet 16 and arguably our two best bets have to play each other. I mean, that kind of, that blows, to say the least. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough when, and I, I agree with you fully, because if you are a Pac-12 fan, how cool would it be to know that if you could somehow manage to get Oregon State, UCLA, USC, Oregon all in the all in the uh, in the Elite Eight or God forbid the Final Four, right? In some wild scenario. It absolutely is just a curb stomp once again to the Big Ten, proving just how much in a cluster fire dump that the Big Ten is when it comes to postseason athletics, especially in college basketball. Kind of the wheels spunning off the train there. I, I think it's a 50-50 for me in terms of who I would take to win this. I think in my bracket, I never had either of these teams going so far. And I think in my second chance, I think I gave the edge to Oregon. I just like Oregon's experience. They've been here. They've played kind of that low C upset role in the tournaments prior. I think they're well coached. And USC just always seems to me like 
they seem like the team who would let me down first. They're the ones who stand me up at, at the Carabas Italian Grill, and Oregon is at least going to be there to take me to Golden Corral after, if that makes sense. I <laughs> I don't know if either sounds especially great, but like, even best-case scenario, that's still pretty rough that you're going to Golden Corral. Yeah, but, I mean, it's a buffet, uh, though, and, and you know I, I'm satisfied at the end. That's what Oregon gets me. I'm satisfied with picking Oregon because I feel like I'd be satisfied to watch them play in the Elite Eight. Fair enough. I, uh, I I definitely am picking Oregon on this one. I think I think either team can definitely win, but just based on gut feeling and watching Oregon the past two games, I mean, I I think it's or it, you know the in the previous game because they had that you know they basically had the bye against VCU in the first round. I I just think they look insane right now. But it's worth pointing out that uh, history does prove me wrong and prove you right because the only time that Oregon and USC played this year. USC uh, got that W seventy two to fifty eight. So you know it'll be it's a singular rematch. They only played once this year. Um, so be curious. And that was actually not that long ago. That was on February twenty second. So kind of kind of worth noting that USC did uh, you know kind of handle Oregon not that long ago. But that, that's like I said, that's I think I think I think right now, I mean Oregon just looks. I mean. You know, don't get me wrong here, folks. Delectable. I mean, they look <laughs> they look incredible right now. So that uh, duck I, is I, looking good. Yeah, roast that roast that bitch and and put some orange glaze on there. And I'm, I'm chowing down. Um, but shout uh, out Gordon yeah, Ramsay. Come after our ducks, baby. Gordon Ramsay coming on the next podcast to talk about Oregon's chances in the Elite Eight. So um, get ready for that. Yeah, we cannot uh, wait. Get, that's that's breaking news. You just heard it here first. <laughs> debut. Uh, debut. Well, I guess it will keep moving on down here because I actually want to get into the two teams that we probably know. The Well, I'll say this team I know the second most about, your team here. We'll start up top. Michigan, number one seed out of the East, taking on four-seeded Florida State. I think probably out of all the one seeds that are still playing between Michigan, Gonzaga, Baylor, and this is going to sound like very obvious, but I think it very much goes without saying Florida State not only has the chance to upset Michigan or will beat Michigan right at this point, but I think Florida State could handle Michigan if Florida State does everything right. We saw that in the in the second half of the Colorado game. They limited Colorado's three-point shooting ability. MJ Walker uh, kind of came up and just took control of the reins. He was the only guy on this team that was there when they lost to Michigan uh, two years ago in the NCAA tournament. So kind of the revenge factor is on Florida State side in this matchup. And being that it's the first Sweet 16 under Jawan Howard for Michigan, you know, just question marks. Too many question marks for me to fully you know, pick the one seed to win this. I like Florida State in this matchup. I, uh, I, I think... I, I mean, I, I definitely still think Michigan's the favorite, but I think you definitely have a point. You know, based on what I've seen, you've obviously seen so much more than me, so call me an idiot if if, if need be, which, you know, would be the first of many times. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, it seems like if Florida State wants to win this game, 
it really does have to be about how well can they disrupt Michigan more so than, you know, of course, if they shoot Michigan out of the gym, then I guess it doesn't really matter. But it seems like Florida State's game plan is to try and disrupt the opponent and keep them the low. It seems like the game Florida State wants is a scrappy type of matchup. I mean, that, they that's, don't, that's exactly how they beat Colorado, though. I mean, they, right. didn't, they didn't necessarily. I mean, 71 points is admirable, right? But if you got through that first half of that Colorado-Florida State game, I think at the 11-minute mark it was, or that's, excuse me, at the 9-minute minute mark so nine minutes ago it was 11 to 11 <laughs> um so florida state's offense is, is so hit or miss that you you're very right in the fact they have to rely on the one thing that goes for them and, and that's their defense they are very very good at taking teams out of their rhythm and what they do the counter to that though and i think you're probably going to get to it is can michigan because they do have the amount of playmakers that just makes it impossible for Florida State to be able to limit everybody, if that makes sense. Yeah, like that's my thing is that when I think about, you know, the reality of either of these teams winning a ga- winning this game, when I imagine the scoreline for Florida State winning, I'm thinking, you know, no score higher than like 65 points, you know, a 64 to 60 type, grind it out type win. But I feel like if Michigan figures Florida State out quickly, it could get ugly too. Like yeah. it could be... It could be one of those things where if they feel in rhythm, if they if the shots are falling, Florida State just won't have the firepower to keep up. Yeah, and I, I've said it once, and I'll say it again. Florida State's weakness there is too is when they're off, they're off. You know, like it's it's not it's not good to be a seminal when you know things are just falling apart and they can't really seem to pick themselves back up. And you, I like I keep always referring to the ACC championship game against Georgia Tech, which wasn't even really in retrospect that bad of a game, but I just couldn't get over how poorly they started and how many opportunities they had to get back into the game. And that's when you know they're off is they'll convert. If you give Florida State the opportunity to get back in the game and they're playing good enough to get themselves in, they'll get in. But you 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 get ahead of them and they're they're just not there then it, it's easy money chalk it up Michigan is stamping their ticket to the elite eight. So you know I guess what we're saying is is that you know we gotta we gotta say that this is this needs to be at least for the Seminoles you know a WWE style Florida mud match you know a, a stipulation <laughs> match this needs to be this needs to be dirty this needs to be grimy this needs to feature some form of barbecue. Um, well, <laughs> we got it, we got alligators on the grill. We got Crocs on our feet. I got a wife beater. I'm ready to go. Florida man headline. We'll know. We'll it. know who wins the game right away if Florida State walks out in jorts. If their pregame <laughs> pregame warm up outfits are jorts and nothing else, then Florida State by thirty. And how but, how, uh, how great would it be is if you just saw in the corner of Banker's Life Fieldhouse, you just saw Gardner Minshew from level three hundred, like with the Chuck. Norris thumbs up meme, you know, just like, yep, I approve. Way to be Florida State. This is fantastic. Could not a, like this more. Where my brain goes with that is the the cheesy, dumb, like overdone meme on Twitter of like, uh, Florida State announces a new signing just ahead of the Sweet 16, uh, uh, Mardner Ginchu. <laughs> yeah. uh, and what I would give, what I would give to watch Gardner Minshew ball out in a basketball game, I, I really, that would be exceptional. But he would be, he would be such a locker room guy, dude. Such a, such a lettricity. I mean, he's, I, he lives every day as a locker room guy. Um, I love it. 
Uh, but, uh, yeah, let's let's on. go ahead. Yeah, let's get into the winner of that matchup playing the winner of this matchup. UCLA going from the first four into this Sweet 16, taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Nate Oates, the number two seed out of the East, playing very well. Obviously, I have to imagine you were happy about that Maryland game as we talked about. So what's got to get done for the Crimson to keep on rolling here? You know, I... Uh... It's it's the more I think about this game, the more the fan in me is showing up, which is just like being like, oh, of course, like UCLA, the first four in type storyline, like oh, that keep the magic going or whatever. Whereas Alabama is just kind of a team that a lot of people look at as a you know a team that should make the Elite Eight and possibly should make the Final Four. But you know, all that aside, I would say that. I feel good. I really, overall, Alabama should win this game comfortably. If Alabama plays to the top of their ability, they ought to beat UCLA by, I mean, I don't know, like 20 points. Like, I mean, it really shouldn't be close if Alabama plays as good as they did against Maryland. And something I said last week was that, you know, if if Alabama plays as bad as they did against Iona, which was, you know, wasn't absolutely horrendous, you know, excuse me for saying garbage on Twitter. I looked back at that tweet and was like, oh, maybe that's a little much. But, <laughs> a little overreaction. Like, just a little overreaction. I was nervous as shit. And like, but, <laughs> you know, like, I would say that if they play like they did against Iona, they should still win the game. Unless UCLA just comes out with, you know, the like John Wooden just shows up on the court. Like, the ghost of John Wooden. Like, that's, you know, otherwise Alabama should win this game. I feel pretty good about it. Um, but... You know, I it's it's because it's Alabama. If this game was, if I was a neutral, I would be even more confident in Alabama. But because I'm not, I, I because I have a stake in the game, I'm honestly getting nervous as we get closer and closer to Sunday. The only thing that that can make me, because I'm with you, I just and we said it before, I just think that Alabama is so is just too strong to kind of not get. Not to succeed into that the the March Madness upset pool, but it's because they're going against UCLA. It just in the back of my mind, I just wonder. I'm like, is there something about the college basketball gods where like Russell Westbrook was owed a favor, and like now they're repaying it to UCLA? Like Kevin Love was also had to like he, they owed a favor, so like now the basketball gods are repaying it to UCLA on this magical run. I. I I don't know, but I think if anybody, if this, say Michigan State beats UCLA in the first four, Michigan State goes on the same path, and it's Michigan State, Alabama, I would bet my entire mortgage and my sister's house on a future mortgage that she doesn't even own yet on Alabama, (laughs) without a doubt in my mind. I would put everything I own on Alabama, but it's just something about UCLA makes me have a little bit of hesitation, just a little bit. What I want to believe, because I brought this this idea up, it's you know common idea of just that you know, is that really good game you just played? Like, did you blow your load, or did you are you like on your way up? Are you just like mm-hmm. on, about to start a you know a very fiery streak? And I I actually will say that the Maryland game for Alabama is possibly the latter rather than the former. I do think maybe it's a gear up because. You know, Alabama's, like I said, this this season, they've really been not great against out-of-conference opponents. Before SEC plays started, they weren't solid. And so Iona was scary for that sole reason, you know, and, you know, the potential that Rick Pitino coaches a master class or something. But 
with Maryland, it was another situation where it's like, this is a good team with like solid talent across the board, but they're out of conference and Alabama really hadn't executed that well. Now that they've kind of boat raced an out of conference team, I'm thinking there's no reason why this team should be scared in any type of way. They should feel completely, completely gelled, completely confident, and like that they're the best team in the tournament because, I mean, in some ways they might be. Um, but honestly, it's uh, I'm just going to be biting at my fingernails for another three days or so because I just I, – I really can't. Like, I, I've got my feelings, but I, there's that deep down of, like, just unknowing, of just, like, nervousness that – you know, that's why we do it. You know, that's yeah. why – you know, being a sports fan is so much fun and, and so engaging is because you never know if it's your time for glory or if it's your time for heartbreak. So, um, I think, you know, we'll, I we'll think no, no, and those are two very good matchups that we're going to get treated to on Sunday and over in the Midwest, we'll get into these Saturday games. And I guess this is my part where I get to talk about 11 seed going against two seed again. This time it's Syracuse Houston. Listen, folks, we're back, baby. We're back. Syracuse is back. Jim Beheim, the nose pick, the booger eats, Buddy Beheim. It's all back. It's coming back. Raise the glory. And for that reason and that reason alone, it all dies. I have Houston going to the Elite Eight. Do you like that plot twist there? <laughs> you like it just, you had me go. Yeah. I, I was about to. I was getting ready to talk about how much uh, Buddy Beheim sucks shit. So <laughs> well, good, good on you. Well, cut that. You can cut that out. I have. It, it has nothing to do with how Buddy Beheim is playing. Do I think he can sustain this wild fifty plus percent from beyond the arc percentage he's been going on? It's gonna take. Once again, the March Madness gods, right? Like, did CJ Fair, did Dion Waiters do enough edibles on a flight to Miami that he he just manifested Syracuse to go on this magical run? Houston's size, I think their average size is around six foot eight on this basketball team. Syracuse just doesn't have that traditional length height-wise that they normally do in the zone or when they play that two-three zone. So they rely a lot on their athleticism. That's why Buddy, Beheim, Joe Girard, Richmond, these guys are starting to develop their mid-range to, to three-point three point game. Excuse me. You're starting to see that more and more with their game plan. I just think Houston is top to bottom more talented and has more depth to get past Syracuse in this situation. I just don't think Syracuse has that, that firepower in the end to keep up with them. And the folks back home are going to hate it, you know, because uh, it's the one year I also didn't put a Syracuse going to all the way bracket. So if that ever were to happen, I would jump off a building because that would just be, of course, 2021. I got Houston winning this. I think I think the run ends for Syracuse, but hey, you know what? That's fun, baby. Double-digit Syracuse will always get you to a sweet 16. Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. I'm just imagining, like... It's the it's the like I, I don't know the name of the song but the classic like bum 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 like as Buddy Beheim is taking a three and one of those like seven foot dudes just like smack the ever living <laughs> shit out of the ball into like the second deck like just it's over for you. Well, hoes. the thing the thing like, the thing with Buddy now though is the, the thing it's tough though is yo he, the first two rounds yo Buddy Beheim obviously has the. Around the, the people who know the program in Syracuse and around the state of New York they, and around the country, they obviously know him as Jim's son. They knew him as you know another good shooter that's been trained by Jerry McNamara. It's coming up in the program. 
But the first two rounds of this tournament, Buddy was just able to kind of still fly in under that radar, and I think he was still playing like the uh, the chip on the shoulder underrated card, right? Like Buddy has the attention now. He's going to be double teamed a lot, and I'm just scared of who else can step up to help. Joe Girard is so spotty. Gary Richmond also spotty as well when he's getting it on the court. I just don't, like I said, I just don't know what else Syracuse has in the tank to be able to counter what Houston brings in. So I think I think Houston wins as well, and uh, so we can agree on that. But I, I have a question for you. Yeah. What is the number that Buddy Bayheim has to score for Syracuse to win this game? Uh, see, I think he's... Is it like 30? Is it like 35? I don't, no, I don't think, honestly, because here, here's the other thing I wanted to bring up too real quick. The thing that always makes Syracuse, which is why I still could easily very much regret my decision to pick Houston, but I'll tell you what, the 2-3 zone in March Madness flusters teams. They ha- do not, I don't know if Kelvin Sampson will be able to deal with it. Bob Huggins couldn't deal with it, and he's a damn good coach, right? Like, it's, it's... Such a flustering thing to watch college basketball teams who know Syracuse runs the 2-3 zone 100% of the time on defense when they're not in a press, and they can't solve it. So I don't necessarily think Buddy has to go off and score 30 for them to win. He is, however, going to have to put up at least a 20-dub. And, like, I'm talking two other scores at least are going to have to drop 15-plus. Right. It's got it, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a it's a mountain. It's a mountain to climb. It's achievable, but I just think the mountain is very high to climb. And if I'm a betting man, that's why that's why I pick the Cougars. Fair enough. And you know what's funny is that typically a matchup like Syracuse versus Houston would easily be the most entertaining uh, game in arguably the Sweet 16, much less its own quarter. But instead, but 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 but. <laughs> Record scratch. Loyola, Chicago, and Oregon State. I mean, <laughs> we we were hype about it last like last episode, and I mean, I literally cannot wait for you know two forty p.m. Central Time on a uh, on on Saturday because I mean, I have I, I I think Loyola Chicago wins, but literally that I have no expectations for that game. Oh, I'm I, just down to be entertained. I I think in because I didn't have either of these teams in this game in my brackets and I'm, yeah, I'm I'm along the lines of you I just want to enjoy the game I think Loyola Chicago criminally underrated and criminally like like given such a higher seed than what they should have I think that's why wow Illinois, no one's been saying that yeah I think <laughs> that's a very original take yeah no just, no kidding just, right <laughs> but it is though and and it really is true it's and, truth it's the truth. But I, I really just think that, like, Oregon State is just kind of like the, like the, okay, like, this is just so stupid. Like, I guess we might as well just keep winning basketball, right? Like, Wayne Tinkle has just got his guys kind of clicking right now. And I don't know, man, like, Corvallis could be rocking. Corvallis could be rocking with it. Do I think it happens? Probably not, but... I don't want to count Oregon State out because it's March, and how funny would it be to see Oregon State versus Syracuse in a Elite Eight? One of those teams would go to the Final Four. Think about that. <laughs> like, that would be fire. It would be fire. That, g- give that. us that. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's Loyola, Chicago, Houston, but 
What an it, it, like you said. I can't wait for Saturday. Two. What'd you say? Two forty Central time. So that's three forty yeah. my time. Yeah, I cannot wait. I'll be watching it on my phone at a Florida State baseball game for sure. But I cannot wait. Cannot. Hardest wait to working watch. man in the business, folks. Hardest <laughs> working man in the biz. Don't forget uh, about it. But I, you know, and and it kind of in the same vein, I brought up with Alabama, where it's like there's no reason why you shouldn't feel really confident. I mean, Loyola obviously should feel that way, you know, beating the number one seed in their quarter. But you know, I I think. Oregon State has no reason to not feel that. You beat a team like Tennessee, which, you know, I brought up the fact that I was not shocked to see Tennessee lose in the previous episode, but still, you beat a team of Tennessee's quality by 14. You then beat, you know, Oklahoma State and arguably the best player in college basketball, Cade Cunningham, by another 10. I mean, they, I, I, I really do think this matchup will be great just because I think Oregon State's going to come out thinking, yeah, why not? Like like we said in the last episode, why yeah. not us? And so, it's this it, uh, matchup. This matchup very much is like exactly like the the Paul Rudd at the at the Hot Wings episode. Like who would have thought? Like right. who would have ever thought Loyola Chicago versus Oregon State is going to determine a chance for one of those teams to go to the Final Four? It, it's 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 exciting basketball. It's what we live for. God bless that. God bless the Midwest. What an interesting bracket. God bless the Midwest. Yeah, it's, it's definitely definitely been the most entertaining. But, uh, yeah, you know, to, to sum up, I think uh, – I do think Loyola Chicago is going gonna, to gonna take the dub. And, you know, um, it'll be – but at the same time, I just wouldn't be shocked. I just wouldn't be shocked if Oregon State pulls out another good W. But I feel like this one would be a bit more scrappy than uh, maybe their, their past two because, really, they just kind of imposed their will on, Oregon, or in, on uh, Oklahoma State and Tennessee. And, you know – Interesting to note one of the one of the you know sabermetric type stats here, folks. Just uh, just one I thought of. We're big we're big sabermetric guys, by the oh, way. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Critical analysis on the sabermetrics. Oregon State's two wins in the NCAA tournament. Both teams who also's primary color is orange. Coincidence? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. We'll learn a lot this Saturday. That's a down and out first. You're gonna see that on an ESPN Plus article tomorrow, and just know. That I they... swear to God, if I'm watching, you know, one of the damn stupid <laughs> like four hour running ESPN shows tomorrow, and I see that, I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna absolutely. <laughs> I'm phoning someone's ass in Bristol, Connecticut, <laughs> and I'm gonna be like, "Where's the check? Cut Max, the check." Max Kellerman has you live on air with Stephen A. Smith, just like, "Yeah, hi well, guys, Evan Ryer here. Let me let me talk to you. Let me rip you off a piece of my motherfucking mind right now, Max." You're dumb as shit, but guess what? I'm dumber, so I'm taking your job. <laughs> Checkmate. Uh, I think I think to wrap it up on my end, too, I will just take Oregon State because I want to see the magic happen, and I want to be different because, honestly, our basketball minds are pretty much playing the favorites because that's where I think everybody's head would be right now. I'm taking Oregon State just because trust the tinkle. When you need it in a hinkle, take a little tinkle. I hate your guts. All right. Let's move on. Oral Roberts, Arkansas, another just incredible run. This one, though, I'll just start it off by saying it was fun while it lasted, Oral Roberts. It was fun while it lasted. You know, I uh, I feel the same way. I mean, I've, I've watched Arkansas definitely a few times this year, and like I said in the last episode, one of the few teams to – one of the few SEC teams to beat Alabama this year. They're legit. They're really tough. They're talented in the same way, too, and – and I, I think you can pretty much lock them in. I mean, you know, 
I, I, the only way I can imagine around it is that, you know, Oral Roberts, the guy scamming all of his years, you know, may finally, God may pay back the money he, he quote unquote raised for <laughs> yeah. God and be like, all right, I got you, homie. And, uh, and seeing them through, but I don't know. It's going to be tough. I don't know. I, I mean, that, 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 that's a lot of, you got to imagine. So you're, you're asking Oral Roberts to go to God when in the same city, Sister Jean is sitting there sending shot prayers out trying to get her team in there. That That's a lot of, like, I, I think the man upstairs <laughs> is booked for this tournament. I just don't know if he has that. I don't know if he has that that lust in him. I'm just laughing at the idea of, like, Sister Jean's, like, caretaker, <laughs> like, wondering why she's side-eyeing, like, an empty seat. <laughs> she's like, that's Oral Roberts right there. <laughs> <laughs> she starts... She's, she whips out the rosary out of her chest. She this, starts going through it. This woman, this woman praised God, asking him, asking him to like limit Illinois' three-point shooting. I don't doubt the fact that she can see the ghost of Oral Roberts at any given point in Indianapolis. I, Could I you imagine doubt. if Loyola Chicago was down at halftime against Illinois? The next prayer is, Lord Savior, this is Sister Jean. I please, please pray that the starting point guard for Illinois tears his ACL within the first minute of the second <laughs> half. Lord Jesus, God, I say this in your name. Amen. Like Some really ruthless-ass prayers were coming. God, God, they're just kids, and I don't wish injury on anyone, but... But I'm gonna drop a few extra hail marys if uh, <laughs> you can do me a solid on this one. That'd be really sick. Um, no, I mean it's uh, it's yeah. To get back to the subject at hand, uh, I, I I think you know as much as I would like to see Oral Roberts, you know, pull off that upset because I don't give a shit about SEC solidarity. Do not care about other SEC teams doing well. I just I don't know. I could see the game being close at halftime. Kind yeah. of like what I kind of like what Arkansas, well, Arkansas has been Colgate. doing and and, and yeah. Texas said this exact same thing and that's kind of my hanking my 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 kind of lean there too. I just think that it, it say Florida beats Oral Roberts, right? I think maybe Florida would have a chance to beat Arkansas. I'm not oh, that for sure. I'm not that overly impressed by Arkansas. I don't want, like, when I say, like, it's been fun while it lasted for Oral Roberts, I'm not saying it to necessarily, like, say that Arkansas is, like, this great team, right? I just think that it's finally, they're outmatched. And it's going to, it literally will take an act of God for Arkansas to blow it and lose this game to Oral Roberts. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. I, uh, I agree as well. And, uh, you know, it's, who knows, but that kind of expectation is, you know, it would make it all the more fun if uh, the opposite happens. So, you know, it's, I don't really have too much else to say about that one, to be honest. It's, uh, yeah. it's chalky as can be, but I think so. Chalky too. types of matchups are, and I mean, this, I would say too that if Oral Roberts made the Elite Eight, you would have to start. I know teams have gotten farther, you know, uh, George Mason. George Mason, yeah. And, and whatever, but you would have to wonder where they're at all time in terms of Cinderella runs. I mean, if they got to the Elite Eight, if they beat Arkansas, yeah. because if they, they De- got definitely, beat by... Definitely top five, top ten. I mean, it would be... It, it'd definitely be up there. In there. Because I, if they went and lost to Baylor or Villanova in the next round, I mean, that would be fair. That'd be like, all right, yeah. you know, that was still a great run. Yeah, and speaking of, I just will take that as a segue to talk about Baylor-Villanova. And I, honestly, it's like we said earlier, this, other than the Oral Roberts magic, like, I think you, talk, you talked about that being a chalk up, and that's why I'm taking Arkansas, too. I said it before, I think Baylor-Villanova is the least interesting matchup in the, in the entire Sweet 16. I think it's so clearly Baylor. 
I, I yeah. think Baylor is playing just as good as Gonzaga is. I really would love to see Gonzaga Baylor in the national championship if the upset gods let that happen, right? I, I right. think Baylor's playing way too good at the right time. They're at every facet of their game is clicking right now, and their defense is just stifling. So many watching them play, I'm exhausted because I think they only rotate like eight nine guys for the you know majority of their time. Tons of transition opportunities still. So they they press. All the time, these guys are just, they're just clicking. They're playing good at the right time. You mentioned how Alabama could be, you know, getting hot at the right time and they start going on a run. I feel like Baylor's just been on one, and now they're just going to take it to the next level. I got Baylor kicking ass in this, and no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I do have Baylor winning, and I do think at least on paper coming up to the match, it's kind of the most you know just standard run of the mill type Sweet Sixteen matchup. That being said, I do I do see a scenario in which Villanova could definitely give Baylor a game. Um, this is, you know, mostly just because, you know, it's not like either team has necessarily played really great opponents. I mean, Villanova played Winthrop and, and North Texas. And, right. You know, Baylor played Hartford. And, I mean, okay, Wisconsin's definitely a better team than any of those other teams mentioned. But, I mean, still a comfortable team for Baylor to beat, really. Um but I could just I don't know I think I, I I could see Villanova if they if they come out strong they start out hot could be a game that you know if they can at least get that start that they're looking for could be I still see a Baylor win but it could be close I could see a you know a kind of back and forth matchup down the stretch and you know I would I would uh I would go for that you know I think part of what I'm saying too is just driven by the fact that. When I was a little kid, I thought Villanova had the coolest name, so I pretty much picked them yeah. to go to, like the Elite Eight on like every bracket ever. They could be like awful, and I was just like, nah, Nova, that's the yeah. coolest shit. Villanova but, still actually arguably has the best national champ na- national tournament moment in history of yeah. college basketball. Chris Jenkins no, buzzer beater. No da- yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's that's up there for sure. But uh, we can we can rank that maybe when we're coming up to the final four. That'd be good. Top yep. five. Do our top fives. Oh, yeah. Uh, Look at us creating content while we talk about our shows. That's called production, baby. That's what It's we called do. production, and it's called we really don't plan this shit out very well. <laughs> yeah. Me, me, me and I, we were literally Lying talking. by the seat of our pants. We were literally talking before we got here. We both are on, like, 12-hour work days. I'm recording this at 1.15 in the morning Eastern time right now. But we're here because we love it, and we love what we do. But yeah, no, we just, we, we plan it, we wing it, we keep it loose, and we have fun. And because of that, I'll leave it up to you, Evan. Do you have anything last, uh, any last words to say before we head over to the cash grab? Uh, no, not really. Just that uh, I'm looking forward to the Sweet 16, and I'm desperate for Alabama to not lose. So that's uh, that's all I got. Yeah, we'll be with you guys next week. Probably, uh, I think, Wednesday you'll hear from us about sometime midweek. We wrap up the Elite Eight. We'll talk more stuff then. But, hey, stay with us. We're going to go to the cash grab, hear a, word, hear a word from our sponsors. When we come back, NBA trade deadline talks. And we got ice cream in the building. So get the pet, get the pallets ready. Get the cookies and cream. Get the sherbet, the mint chocolate chip, whatever you want. Get it ready. It's all coming up in just a little bit. No this sugar is... cones. What? Oh my goodness. We're, we'll we're be, already on. We're, yeah, all right. Oh my God. We'll be right back. This is down and out. Hey guys, Dom here. I want to tell y'all about Anchor.fm. Yes, Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free and there's tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. 
don't know how to get your final product on all the major streaming platforms? Have no fear. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and tell them Down and Out sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back. Down and Out. Time to talk NBA trade deadline frenzy. Been trying to say that 10 times fast today. Hasn't worked out once, folks, but really busy afternoon, and boy, did it escalate Ev, really quick at, from like noon till the trade deadline hit around like 6.30 or whatever the time was. Uh, Woj was hitting up my DMs and uh, or my, my phone more. <laughs> he was asking you for scoops. <laughs> yeah. Woj was appearing more on the home screen of my phone than my crazy ex-girlfriend used to. Like that, he, he was going to work today, and you got to love seeing Woj just have the ability to absolutely fucking sauce it up on trade deadline day. Dom, we all know you've never had a girlfriend. Chill out. Shoot, um, all right. No, but ah, no, it's it's it. funny because you know, as anybody who's on sports Twitter, you know the battle between Woj and Shams has been raging super hard because Shams really has had Woj's number for the majority of like yeah. the last year. But on deadline day, at least it's, from what I was seeing, Woj seemed to be you know first to everything. But who knows? I don't. I uh, I you know it's. It's, uh, you know, talking about who's winning which scoops is probably the most boring thing. So let's, uh, let's, let's just start with Victor Aladipo. Let's just Absolutely. talk about, let's, I mean, it's a, that's the blockbuster move of the day, I would say. It was definitely the, probably the most high profile player. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think it's because Lowry stayed and Lowry didn't right. go anywhere. So yeah, in, in terms of somebody who went any, anywhere, that you definitely Victor Aladipo. Well, not to mention, too, that, I mean, you know, going to the team that were in the finals last year and arguably weren't that far away from winning an NBA title. I mean, you you have to wonder, obviously, the the Heat haven't quite been, I would say, as just insane, you know, to, to in this, you know, this, uh, uh, I guess, half of the season so far. But it's, uh, you, you do have to think that Victor Aladipo has what, still has enough, still has, you know, enough to be that kind of game-changing guy or at least the type of guy that's just one more person on that roster that you can't really, you know, he's going to get his. And uh, it, it definitely makes the, you know, at least the potential for an Eastern Conference Finals or semifinals matchup between the Heat and the Nets that much more interesting. I And I agree with the fact that it, because you went – I look back to the the NBA Finals last year. It's just why the Lakers, I think, came out and really put it on them in six games. Is you know because Jimmy Butler could really only have done so much, and uh, you know Tyler Hero, you know, not to sound too cliche here, but couldn't be the hero in the end, so to speak, right? And uh, I'm quitting. Uh, <laughs> but I I I think that in terms of. Uh, a good playmaker, somebody who's reliable. I think you you'll always know what you're gonna get with Victor Oladipo, and I think that that little shred of consistency, I think, could go a long way in Miami because right now they're sitting one game below 500, seventh in the East right now. So they've got some ground to make up in the second half of the season, and so I can definitely see why they were so aggressive to go out and get somebody like Victor. And you know, I I, I think if you're Miami, and you're trying to make that move to get yourself back in that higher C playoff pitcher, absolutely the smartest move you can make at this point. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing is that when you think of like the four right now, I mean, it, of just not even, you know, Hero, just Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, 
Duncan Robinson and Victor Oladipo. I mean, that's, I think out of bio too. I, absolutely, I didn't even think about I, bio. That's that's for you know I would say NBA final making at least capable guys. You know, I mean, I would say that it, it's definitely back on the table. Whereas you know this the the just you know being a game under five hundred, you don't exactly uh, feel great about your chances to make a run to the NBA finals again. But now you know it definitely makes the East a bit more interesting. You know, I mean, obviously the Sixers are up there, and and you know the Nets are obviously going to be up there. And I would still say no matter where they finish, are the team to beat. But I would say of all the teams right now. I mean, the the Heat are now back to being the team that I think can can give uh, the the Nets you know a run for their money. I mean, they're obviously the the Sixers and the Celtics are not bad squads, but in terms of just top to bottom, how dangerous are they? I, I have to say the Heat at this point. Well, and and the Heat were never that team that was really wowing and impressing anybody to begin with when they made the run for the championship last year. You know, when we, we yeah, got yeah, good point. They, they just they just got hot in the bubble, and you know that's just kind of how things were. The Suns got hot in the bubble too back then and they all they still missed out but nonetheless yeah it's it's it's, it's gonna be interesting to see you know as time moves on as times progress you know does does Duncan Robinson does hero out Jimmy Butler all these pieces you just mentioned does Oladipo mesh well does his game style kind of fit in with the system that Eric Spolstra and the Heat are trying to do to implement themselves, get back into the higher seed playoff picture. But yes, yeah. I, I I like them Eastern Conference, maybe that 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 semifinal match. If they go against Brooklyn, I don't know if they're the team that gets Brooklyn, maybe, but if they get Brooklyn in the semis, not the actual conference finals, that could go to seven. I could make that could yeah, go to sure. seven. And and I think the you know the longer the type of series like that goes on, the more you put it in a team like the Heat's favor, who kind of proved that they can grind out series last year in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I mean, that's the thing is, is that Canelo Depot just hit the stats he's already been hitting so far this year, which is yeah. around twenty points a game. You know, I think it's like like four or five assists a game. That's perfect. That's that's perfect. Like that's exactly what the I think the the Heat would be looking for. I don't think they need you know him to be this on fire guy. But as we've seen in you know years past, you know maybe some years past at this point. But Aldipo also has you know uh, some heat in him. Wow, that was bad. I didn't even mean to say heat, but he 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 does have that. I'm quitting now. Now I'm quitting. Yeah, we both get to quit. Podcast over, everybody. <laughs> um, but but he does have that capability to be you know a game breaker. So it'll be uh it'll be interesting to see if he can finally get in a spot that you know really you know proves not proves how good he is because I mean you know he's definitely always been a name throughout the NBA but it never has seemed like he's been in situations that he can prove late 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 you know deep in the playoffs yeah exactly what type of player he is well so. now now he has a supporting cast around him it takes the pressure off of him to have to be the guy to do everything so I, I think that could also benefit him highly in that regard as well next up yeah we're just moving on here to you know Another interesting one, Lou Williams, former Sixth Man of the Year, obviously just a you know NBA journeyman at this point, heading to Atlanta. 
obviously this is uh, you know a team that we were talking about not too long ago before we started recording the show. But uh, impact of a guy like Lou Williams in Atlanta could be actually kind of monumental a little bit in this point in terms of trying to get Atlanta up in that conversation as we just got done talking about where Miami stands as they try to make that push in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing is that just like uh, just like the Heat, you know, they're the the Hawks are one game behind five hundred. They've won, went, I think, eight and two in their past ten games at the the time of this recording. And you know, it's it, it seems like they're they're more on the ups because they've kind of dealt with an injury bug this year, and instead they're you know they're getting guys back at the right time. I think Lou Williams is a great idea. I mean, truly, I think that it's a guy that you know is going to go score. You know he's going to play solid defense as well. He's kind of a you know all around utility guard in that way. And I mean anything that you know is kind of a you know the the Yang on the Atlanta Hawks at all time is Trey Young. He's chaos. He can be fantastic. He can be great. Right. But he can have those off nights. Maybe a little bit of consistency, a little bit of steadiness. It's a perfect thing that they need right now. That's and that's exactly that, what I was just thinking too. Is is a, a mentor, a great mentor role Lou Williams could be to Trey Young, and, and as uh, Atlanta tries to bring Trey into you know why they drafted him where he is and, and what they kind of envisioned his long term goal and success could be with the organization. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I, I, I do think that Rajon Rondo going back the other way is a, you know, it's a solid enough deal. I mean, they're, they're you know, the Clippers are obviously a team that do have, you know, hopes to, to win an NBA title this year. And, you know, Rondo, you could do much worse than a guy like Rondo coming off the bench or worst case scenario playing starter minutes. Um, but but I definitely feel like if anybody kind of got the better end of that trade, it's, it's the Hawks because they also got two second round picks, future picks. So, I think uh, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how that shakes out. You know, I I wouldn't consider myself a Hawks fan, but I always like to see them do well. And you know, anything that kind of makes them relevant and not depressing, yeah, is something something I'm gonna coming I'm gonna off coming on. off where they were not so long ago, basically the the pre yeah, Trey Young sure. days. Oh yeah, I mean it's it, it'll be I just an interesting shape up. I like I said, I more look forward to the Lou Williams as that mentor role. What can he do to kind of not only improve the guys like Trey Young around him, but also kind of you know keep lifting the Hawks up to where they want to be. And you know, speaking of teams that are making a push for you know trying to win out this conference, the West obviously is extremely difficult. Uh, the Denver Nuggets sitting fifth right now. They went and added a a pretty key piece, I guess, in terms of guys who always get your attention from the slam dunk contest. It's Aaron Gordon going with the Denver Nuggets. Now, uh, overall, uh, obviously, his name kind of speaks there. I think maybe around the what he, the talent he's going to get in Jamal Murray and uh, uh, Jokic. Jokic, thank you, in Denver. Like I think that's finally a role where maybe Aaron Gordon takes that next step of maturity and gets the kind of prolific size his career. I just kind of made up a word, but I guess boost his career, so to speak, and kind of get him out of this aura of like the slam dunk king kind of. Well, that's what I was going to say is that, I mean, if he doesn't do it with the Nuggets with guys like Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, I mean, when is he going to do it, right? Like, so... It, 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 it's kind of do or die time, which is, you know, pressure makes diamonds. If he responds well, then Nuggets immediately shoot up to a team that I would say is at least on par with, you know, the, the Clippers and Suns as, you know, 
you know, a full healthy Lakers team, I think we can agree, is a, you know, just a bit, you know, head and shoulders better than pretty much anybody else the West is going to send based on what we saw last year. But, you know, if they continue to run into injury issues, it's going to be anyone's game. And, you know, between the Jazz, Suns, Clippers, Nuggets, I mean, there's a lot of teams right there. And, uh, and Aaron Gordon could be that guy. You know, he can prove that he's not kind of a moment guy, a guy that you see on the Sports Center top 10, but then when you check the stat line, you know, he, he really didn't have that crazy of a game. But, um, you know, it'll be, it's, they're, they, I mean, of anybody in the West, I mean, nobody else really made that big of a move. I mean, really. Yeah, you know, quiet. I mean, yeah, Clippers, Clippers got Rondo, I guess, like we mentioned, but that's not exactly a marquee move. Aaron Gordon's a guy that you kind of expect to start right away. And, you know, as, as as famous as he is for his offensive explosiveness, he also oftentimes had to deal with a lot of just, you know, hard looks playing for a Magic team like, like he did, you know. I mean, it's not exactly a, a squad that, you know, boasts a lot of offensive talent around him that's going to draw away attention. You know, you expect Jamal Murray to draw attention. You expect Nikola Jokic to, you know, force some dudes away from Aaron Gordon that, you know, could lead to some really nasty moments and more yeah. of them instead of just the kind of flash in a pan. So it, it, I think I think it's definitely – it's a move that I, I, I don't feel rock solid in terms of what the outcome is going to be. I really do think that it could be a case where we just get proven that Aaron Gordon's just not, not that dude – or we realize that, damn, this man just wasted too many years in Orlando mm-hmm. and should have gotten out of there sooner. So, was not to mention it's like the least desirable city in Florida. Orlando, as as a Florida as a Florida born person, I have famously said, not famously, but many many times, I will always say that Orlando is like the most soulless. Like, sh- like nah, just, say it, say it, say it, say it, you're famous. Say it with your chest, boy. Say it, talk shit. I, I, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, which might as well be like the Florida redneck capital. Like, I mean, it's the biggest city with the largest redneck population, Duval. I think. Duval forever. That being said, Jacksonville actually has like culture and actually has like interesting things going on. Whereas I personally have never felt that way about Orlando. I, I hope I get like 400,000 emails from Orlandoites or whatever the <laughs> fuck they call themselves and, and telling me about how wrong I am. And, uh, you know, even if they bring up a lot of valid examples, I'm like, just go sit your ass in Disney World. It's, I don't want to hear this shit. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, back to the point. It's definitely an interesting trade. And I think the, the big, big part of it, too, is that. You know, it's not like uh, it's not like Denver sent anybody valuable over there. I mean, Gary Harris and R.J. Hampton, and you know, a pick. You know, it's it's not a huge, huge value. Yeah. Um, I, it, which, if, if Aaron of, Gordon which, does prove to be that guy, like that's a very that's a high risk or a be, high reward for very minimal risk. A low risk. Yeah, I mean, it'd be the bargain of free agency, in my opinion. Um, and. You know, not to mention just we don't have too much to talk about with him. But, man, Orlando really is just shipping everybody out because they sent Vucevic away as well. So um, it's uh, it's just looking like one of those uh, one of those moves that we got to wait and see for. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, rebuild time in Orlando. And, uh, you know, you were mentioning it about the teams in the West that really didn't make a move. Now, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers were maybe a team that was going to look after this guy. Ultimately, he's staying in Toronto. That's Kyle Lowry. I guess a lot of people surprised that he did, in fact, stay in, in Toronto, is staying with the Raptors. Didn't end up moving anywhere. Uh, I guess the first thing I was hearing, too, as we were talking about, was, you know, could Lowry have been a fit in a system with LeBron James. 
you know, it's it's something that there were, you know, talking heads kind of I, I saw it all over Twitter and in like clips this morning of just people being like, Is Kyle Lowry a good fit? Is he, you know, a guy that, you know, can can, you know, kind of take a back seat to guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis and you know, I don't know the situation that well. Who knows? He may have a massive head. But Jesus Christ, I think, yeah, I think you're definitely yeah. willing to take a back seat and just, like, play your game, be a good player, and, and you know, get another ring. I mean, you why why else, you know, you think Kyle Lowry's going to go into, you know, if he had gotten traded, you think he's the type of guy that he's like, ah, I actually don't want a ring. I've got pride that, you know, feels a lot better on my finger. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. not. Yeah. Absolutely He's not. like, I actually don't want that that $1.5 million performance bonus I signed with Janine Buss. Like, no, thank you. I actually will just kind of go off back to my to my house and, and San Luis Obispo and just kind of chill with my, like, 700K, like, performance bonus from finishing the regular season. It's just it, it, the, the, the idea that I don't think makes sense. And why would anybody, regardless of your – uh, at the rookie level or to the level of a national or an NBA championship level that Kyle Lowry is, why would any NBA player fear of being on the same roster as LeBron James? You are basically guaranteeing yourself for that fact you brought up. You are getting into a na- an NBA championship game at least once every two years, if not every year. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense, but... At the same time, that's all uh, speculation at this point because he's obviously sticking around with the Raptors. And, you know, I I bet you see him, you know, I I don't think he's going to last very long after this season. But, you know, it's uh, it's interesting to think that, you know, probably the only thing keeping him from not going there is, you know, them not getting a deal done. Um, That being said, it does sound like I thought I saw today that Andre Drummond is probably going to get released. Um, which the I believe the Lakers were going after him for a good part of free agency. Yeah. Um, but it also seems like uh, there's other teams interested as well. So Lamarcus, we'll Lamarcus Aldridge also another big man that looks like the Spurs are going to buy him out, and then Miami actually looks like somebody who maybe was going after Lamarcus Aldridge. Obviously, hasn't didn't pan out that way. But interesting that when you see like what could have been right that potential of what could be and maybe what is in store down sure. the road yeah it's um, no, definitely yeah and uh you know it's it's a teaser for next next uh next uh off season so absolutely yeah let's uh anytime you get to talk about anybody in the ball family that's just a big win and so because we of the, do it for the numbers. Yeah, because of the Pelicans we get to, they held on to Lonzo Ball. Um, and then interestingly enough, because you are a Duke apologist, they are sending JJ Reddick, an NBA journeyman now himself, the sharp shooter, to the Dallas Mavericks, where he'll be joining up with Luca and Christophe Porzingis. You kinda you kinda got his title wrong. Greatest basketball player of all time, JJ oh Reddick. Oh boy. Um, uh, I I honestly uh, there's not much that much to say about JJ Reddick going to the Mavs. I mean, it's a solid three point shooting piece that they get to add. He is who he is. But I really do love the shit out of JJ Reddick and always have. Is like since I was a little kid watching him at Duke. I he I would say was probably my favorite basketball player growing up. So anytime I see him move, I'm always like, 
always a little curious, always a little interested to see, you know, if he's going to make, uh, you know, what type of impact he can bring. But, I mean, at this stage in his career, I just hope he gets to hit maybe, you know, a big big three at some point. One if, big shot, know. like like maybe a Western Conference semifinal, just one big shot. Luka finally gets his shot maybe at a, at a conference title before he, you know, gets probably slammed by Utah. But yeah, I, it's, it, 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 the, despite the fact he, he went to Duke, and I hate Duke. I've hated them before Syracuse ever got in the ACC. JJ Redick is a guy who is hard to hate. Like I'm a yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a good he, dude. Yeah, he, he I think he plays a game right. He's got a little he's got a little spikes to him. He likes to get chippy with it. He's got some sweet tattoos. Good for him, man. Like I was a three point shooter too. A lot of people compared my game to JJ Redick before the knee gave out. You know, but well, I think I realized at a very young age that I was going to be very short as an adult, which truth, <laughs> and then. Also, I was never going to have the athleticism required to be like Allen Iverson. So I, literally my only hope to having a basketball career of any kind was jacking threes. Yep. And, um, <laughs> you're, preaching it, to the, you're preaching to the choir there, my friend. That's based on, literally me. Based on you, you, know, you at home listening to this right now, it did not work. So <laughs> you know, on to the next one, I guess. But no, and then lots of balls sticking around is interesting. You know, it could be one of those things that, you know, just to speculate on that real quick, could be the type of thing where they didn't get to deal them and they end up looking at that as like a blessing in disguise, you know, is, you know, because yeah, I always do feel like based on watching Lonzo, I mean, he's a solid player. He's a good player. And I've, I've never had a problem with Lonzo. I always thought he w- he played pretty well when he was w- with the Lakers and when he was he, playing alongside LeBron. Like I thought, I, went, I thought I went, he had the, he had the pieces there. He just needed the right coach, right system to kind of get him over the hump and make him a good NBA point guard. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think that you know really he's kind of there. You know, at this point, it's just kind of polishing the ends. I think what a lot of people just. I, I don't know if they expected this was Lonzo. I didn't necessarily ever expect this, but he's not so explosive like, you know, LaMelo ended up being. You know, he's he's more of just a, you know, he's a really solid game managing guard, makes, you know, pretty smart decisions most of the time based on, you know, at least the past year or two I've watched. And, and uh, whereas LaMelo is, you know, I mean, shit, dude. I it's, It is heartbreaking to think about that dude's injury because yeah. he's oh, God. so much I mean, fun he's, to watch. He's rookie, what a great he's rookie of the year. He's rookie of the year. Even like I don't, unless something Without truly it. bombastic. Yeah, I think even even if something truly bombastic happens, I feel like he has to be in the conversation because he was to me, you know, for a minute there, the most electrifying rookie, just week night in night out. Like I mean, he 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 was insane, and and it's a uh, it was I crazy for, for me at how how quickly Lamelo turned it on. You know, like I remember like the yeah. headline of when he was finally named a starter, right? Because like he was putting up good production coming off the bench, and then. Like that first couple games, you know, averaging twenty plus points and just, you know, hitting these crazy shots and just ball. Like he was, he looked like he was playing street ball with Leangelo and Lonzo, like at Lavar's house. Yeah, he just looked like he was having fun with it too, and it it, it it sucks and it's devastating. And you know, he definitely is going to be when it's all said and done, the best of the Ball brothers to have done it. So hoping for a speedy recovery there, because that's just always tough to see. For sure, for sure. All right, now let's move on to the main event. I'm ready. Are you ready? ready? Break this break this shit down. Oh, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up the NBA trade deadline talk. We're going to get the last segment of this show, something we want to try new. We're going to get into the down and out rankings. And the first thing we're going to talk about, something that me and Evan are extremely 
passionate about. Passionate about. Top five ice cream flavors. Be sure to follow us on social media at Down and Out on Twitter. Vote for who you think had the best list. Comment on what we missed or what you think is overrated. Evan, since I'm talking, I'll let you go first. Since you, this actually was your category, I'll let you have first choice. Go ahead and give us pick number one of Evan Ryer's top five ice cream flavors. Well, get ready, folks, because I have a question. Do we want to do draft style where we go, we pick them off the board, or do you want to do ranking them? Because if we're ranking them, let's just go five to one. And then we each let's say do, five down to one. Let's or do, draft. Let's do draft style because I can't Word. make up the rankings in my head right now. It's one fifty in the morning. Let's do let's do draft style. So go ahead. You are the Houston Rockets. You have the, the you got you won the lottery. Congratulations. It feels good. Um I think I'm gonna have to start with you know, this might be, you know, a pick that I think most people would say this is a pretty chalky pick, but I gotta go with cookies and cream. I mean, no, just, no, yeah, yeah sorry, uh, I think cookies and cream is easily the most likable ice cream. It's the most versatile ice cream. You know, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things one. where it's, it's like, one. it's like if vanilla was like cool instead of not. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it, like, like he came in, vanilla basically came to school in an 80 Chevelle with like a leather jacket on, but like when it was cool and like. Yeah, I, I, I feel that vibe. I'm just picturing him like, I'm trying not to picture Cookies and Cream dressed up as John Travolta from Greece, doing my best to avoid that, but I see where you're going with it. And I agree, because that was my number one. So, damn you. Damn you. All right. Well, then uh, how do you respond to this challenge, sir? So, I, I go to back to my number two, which is a go-to for me ever since I've been a, a kid. And I'm going to be generic, but I'm always, I'm going to focus in on one flavor. My number one on a nice hot summer day, the local ice cream store, preferably when it's homemade, orange sherbet. You know, it's going to be fun to, uh, to, to talk about this because, you know, there may be people at home that feel like that sherbet is a different thing than uh, ice cream. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's technically made different. Yeah, it's yeah, all no, the same I'm, thing I'm just, I'm, I'm just screwing with you. No, sherbet's great. Orange sherbet's a good choice. Definitely not in my top five. So you definitely reached like a bitch. But uh, that's, you know, that's, it's, that's it's my number. It's my number. No, that's fine. And uh, we'll see if it pays off for you. But no, I do, and I do like orange sherbet. But really, the best way to enjoy orange sherbet is probably the cheapest, like gas stationy way to do it, which is the orange push pop. I love oh, an orange. Yeah, push those pop. are solid. I also love like ra- I love rainbow sherbet. I love the lime with yeah, the raspberry. It, it, everything is mixed in there too. Very, it's got a nice fruity tang to it. I like it. It's good. All right, hit us with your second pick. Um, you know, it's uh, it's just kind of like with cookies and cream being an upgrade on vanilla. I'm gonna pick an upgrade on chocolate. And I'm going with Rocky Road. That's a good. That's a good choice. All Rocky right. Road, and shout out to to Travis Ryer, my father, who taught me the proper way to eat Rocky Road at a young age. Which is boring. Which is face 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 first, no utensils. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's you just <laughs> proper you just way to rip. eat Rocky Road, face down, <laughs> ass up. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the 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 trick, folks. You know, you know they love the tricks. You know they love it. You gotta pour some milk on there, folks. Mm. You gotta pour. You gotta pour a little bit of milk on there, My and then at the very end. Hard. I know, I know. It, it, me too, bro. It, <laughs> but but you pour you pour the milk on there. You get a little bit of a chocolate milk kind of residue soup situation afterwards. Mwah, mwah. 
It's perfect. Chabella. All right. All right. That's a good pick. Rocky Road, your number two. Uh, where do I want to go my number two? Yeah, there's one that's in my mind. I was scared you're going to take it. It's kind of my upgrade on vanilla. That's cookie dough. Cookie yeah, that's dough a good one. Cream. That was up there for me. Cookie dough ice cream is just absolutely solid. And here's my thing. My favorite version of cookie dough is a cookie dough that has more of the actual cookie dough, less chocolate chips. And if you're going to do chocolate chips, make them small, you know, or blend them in with the vanilla. Don't, I don't want big chunks of the chocolate chip. Yeah, when they're frozen have, like that, they suck to chew on. They, yeah. They really do. I, I rather have the big chunks of the actual cookie dough because that's what you're really there for. But it's a versatile ice cream. It works anyway. And you know what? That's the same reason why I wanted to go with cookies and cream. These ice cream flavors, Rocky Road is good too. Sherbert isn't with this at all, but... I always think of a good ice cream that can easily be turned into a milkshake. Those yeah. three flavors are top to bottom, fantastic to turn into a milkshake. Um, yeah, no doubt mm. about that. That's a that's a that's a good choice. Can't blame you on a cookie dough. I I probably would have gone with that if uh, you hadn't said it. So good on you. Yep, that's what I do, baby. I'm just uh, I'm playing Kevin Costner in Draft Day, basically. Oh, dude, I hate that fucking movie. Yeah, me too. It's such a bad. <laughs> well, it makes the Jaguars look absolutely clueless. And because, like, the, the Jags GM, like, panic trades and gets, like, nothing yeah. for it or whatever. It's 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 classic Jaguars, but it's also fairly, uh, fairly disappointing. But to move on to my number three pick, um, you know, I, I'm kind of of several different minds here. I got a lot of different ways I want to go. But I'm going to go ahead and lock down mint chocolate chip. Mm-hmm. Big mint chocolate chip guy. I really do like it. That's one that not good for milkshakes, really, but or not one that I want in a milkshake. But scooping out some Eddie's brand mint chocolate chip into a bowl and sitting down with some sports is probably one of my favorite ways to spend an evening, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, that's a good flavor. I just don't like this is a thing like Girl Scout cookie wise. Like I hate uh Thin mints, like I'm not a mint chocolate guy. Really? Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, that that's like my least favorite girl. That and Samoas are like my least favorite. Whoa. So. Yeah, Whoa. I know. You're gonna get the hate. That that'll be a category when we get down the line. But yeah, too hey, hot everybody. To- Dom hates Girl Scouts. <laughs> he hates them. Yeah, cancel. No. You're canceled. Yeah, I just Dom I, is canceled. So I'm happy you took that one. I only would have taken it for the voting to get people to, because that's so popular. I'm not a mint chocolate chip guy, but I under completely understand 100% why why you took it. Well, I was going to say too just because I can uh, think about it right now. Best mint chocolate chip ice cream I've ever had in my life is in Savannah, Georgia at a legendary place. If anybody's been to Savannah, you've probably been there. It's called Leopold's and it's in it's in downtown kind of around SCAD. Like it is an absolute banger of an old school ice cream shop that's been doing it the same way for like 100 years. And their mint chocolate chip ice cream is so minty it almost kind of feels like you brush your teeth and i per not it's not for everyone but for me personally i thought it was fantastic so there you go you got you got your reco from uh from yours truly nice all right i'll go my number three i think i'm kind of tossed up between two right now but i think the one that i'm the ladder i'm thinking right now i think it'll be there for me next round so i'm gonna go with uh cake batter ice cream yeah, that's a good choice. I like a good cake batter. Yeah, a little cake batter. Also a great one with a milkshake as well. I think yeah. you can't go wrong with it. Uh, it's just, you know, delectable in uh, in every sense of the word when you're kind of looking for more of that, that 
the opposite of sherbet. You're right. You want something I'm, a little I'm, lighter on your feet with sherbet. Cake batter, you best be ready to just be an absolute sloth on the couch because that baby's going to knock you out with a one-two, one-two Mike Tyson to your stomach. I can't. I, I'm getting pissed, and this is going to sound pretentious, but truly the best cake batter ice cream I've had was one that featured like dark chocolate, just a little bit of like a, a, a you know, a chocolatey bitterness to it just because it is pretty it's pretty damn sweet. It is pretty damn sweet. And I love that. But I also like a little bit of a, you know, I like, I'm a complicated individual. I'm a sophisticated guy. I like, <laughs> I like some, uh, you know, some layers okay. to, uh, to, to my ice cream. But no, cake batter is a good choice. Good choice. All right. Solid, solid. So here we go. We're going into our fourth picks. Evan, go ahead. Give it to him. Um, I, man, see, there, there's one that honestly is probably higher up than my last two choices in terms of uh, favoritism. So I guess I'm just gonna go ahead and take it because I, I don't you know I don't think you're gonna select it but I need to make sure and that's butter pecan yeah. I really do like me some butter pecan ice cream and uh, that's like I don't know if that's like a southern thing or what I mean it, it, is, it feels is like a southern it, no thing. it definitely is one of the most popular ice cream like all across the country like butter pecan I, I see butter pecan at, at butter pecan excuse me I see it at every ice cream place I go to I was gonna say Dom you're from New Jersey you can't be saying pecan yeah pecan. I, if anything I should be I should be getting uh, yelled at for saying pecan because you know the true southern way is to really just drop that pecan in there but uh, yeah no <laughs> butter pecan butter pecan all day every day all right um my number four and because I kind of knew you're gonna pick that one but I w- I'm okay with it I'll let it go I, I'll go my number four, the one I left off, uh, coffee. Coffee-flavored ice Fuck. cream. Fuck. Yeah, you got me on that one. That's actually what I'm sad about. Yeah. Uh, coffee-flavored ice cream. Because I love I love yeah. coffee. I love everything that's coffee-flavored. Give me coffee ice cream. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy I finally got a reaction out of you. I feel like I bet I beat you on one pick now so that I can die a happy man. Yeah, coffee Coffee's is just... so good. It's just, it's, it's just always a go-to. I actually have a... A very hard time, unless I'm in a sherbet mood, like if it's deep summer, like I'm trying to think the last time I went and got ice cream, like a Dairy Queen or something, I literally will get coffee ice cream every chance I get. If it's there, when I visited you in Tuscaloosa and I went to your mom's store where she sells the gelato. Peterburg Chocolatier, there's your plug. There it is. I literally went and got the chocolate flavored ice cream or the, the coffee flavored ice cream. Your mom had laid out all these because I was like, oh, I love sherbet, sorbets. She's whipping all, all this. I'm like, actually, ma'am, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to go with everything you told me that you weren't recommending. I'm going to go with a coffee. Please well, and thank you. I, and I, uh, I, I can't blame you. It's one of my. It was when you know my two years behind the counter over there, serving up chocolate covered strawberries and gelato. Which, by the way, it's gelato, folks. Dama uh, doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, it's uh, it, it, coffee was a was a constant mainstay, and it was mm-hmm. either that or uh, I will say the um, the strawberry cheesecake gelato at Peterborough Chocolatier, whether you're in Jacksonville, Florida, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or any of the other fine locations. There's one in Tallahassee as well, Dom. There is. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty phenomenal. Uh, I'll go ahead and take my fifth choice. I'm actually having a hard time because you. I was thinking I might be able to get away with coffee at that not, spot. Not today. I'm uh, I'm a tumbo. No, 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 no. I wanna I wanna just take a quick 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 sojourn. Brought up a Wikipedia article titled "List of Ice Cream Flavors." I'm and, I'm looking at a list similar, so don't worry. <laughs> and I'm seeing stuff on here like garlic and beer. So I just wanna say 
fuck whoever is making those <laughs> ice creams. Um, you suck, and I hope you stop. I hope your passion dies. Yeah. Um, but uh, to 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 pick a flavor, I haven't really picked a fruit flavor, which is, you know, I'll I'll uh I'll go. This is way out of left field. But I will say, because it, thinking of Peter Brook brought this up, they've got a mango gelato and a mango sherbet is really, really good. I like mango flavor a lot. Yeah. And uh, that's, uh, that's you know, it's not a game-breaking choice by any means, but if you want to talk about a fruity flavor, if there's one that, you know, I have to go to that's not an orange sherbet, that's probably it. Okay. I like I, I like that because I, I, I like sherbet. Like I said, I'm a complicated so individual, man. I would see now not my fifth. I thought you were going to go a different direction. I didn't necessarily think you were going to go fruit. So good choice on you to at least get one in there for the variety. I'm kind of sticking back within the, the chocolate and the more dense thing right now. The fifth one was, I have an honorable mention I want to give on a fruitier one. I didn't want to go with, but because it's still there, peanut butter cup will be my yeah, fifth. Always good one. Peanut butter ice cream. It, in general. Reli- reliable. Always. You know, I think it's just, uh, it's, it's a, it's a working backbone of ice cream. It's just always there for you. Other than a chocolate vanilla twist. It's, it's basically the foreman that's working at the shop with you. No, that's, I, I wasn't going to say chocolate vanilla swirl because I didn't think that really counted. That being said, soft serve chocolate vanilla swirl. With chocolate rocks. sprinkles. With rocks. Cho- Actually, no, real quick. no chocolate spr- sprinkles are for losers. Mm, fair. But do you, co- sprinkles or jimmies? Uh, sprinkles for sure. If you yeah. call them Jimmy's, you're especially a big fucking loser. You're a huge loser. Double Just, mega weenie loser. If you say Jimmy's. Weenie Hut Jr. Weenie, yeah, I'm weenie Hut Jr. No, we've uh, taken a stance, folks. Yeah. I've taken a stance. Yeah, we're going to die. I mean, I'm not going to die on that line. I'll agree with you. I'll die. But... I'll, I will. I'll die on that hill sooner than I'll die on a hill for like Nick Saban. I'll die on the James Hill. I will absolutely. And I just want to bring up another flavor I'm looking at right now. Creole cream cheese. What the fuck are we doing, folks? What are we? What are we doing? I have no idea what Louisiana's up to, but Jesus Christ, stop. That's Randy Jacks. It's gonna be a no for me, dog. All uh, you need ice cream down there is like you got beignets and everything else. Just ice cream with the beignet. Bro. Literally. Oh You're my good. god. So You're many good. opportunities. Uh, I do have one honorable mention that I was thinking about. Uh, it, it only really comes traditionally in hard flavored ice cream. And if you're getting it soft serve, I've always had very like not great experiences. But it always hits when it's hard. Is uh, cotton candy flavored ice cream. Yeah, I like it. I like cotton candy flavor in general on candy and different things. Mm-hmm. But again, another thing like cake batter that's just really, really sweet too. So very sweet. I can see, I can see uh, people turning, you know, not being as uh, big a fan. And the only other specification I want to make is, I want to say two things. Vanilla is actually good. I I was talking shit about vanilla earlier. Vanilla is actually good. I think if anyone, if you dislike vanilla ice cream, I know that there's good more vanilla options. Is good. Good. Yeah, vanilla but is that's good. what I was gonna say. French vanilla is the move. Yes. French vanilla is incredible. I, as a Southern person, people are going to, you know, any Southerner that listens to this is probably going to hate me, but Bluebell golden vanilla is so gross to me. Like, I genuinely don't like it. And See, if, I, if, I, if I'm going to go vanilla, I'll go vanilla bean with briars if I'm going Right, right. Like, that's what I mean. That's what I think of when I think of French vanilla. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of like almost crisp, crispness, not a butteriness to it. I like that a lot. And, uh, 
golden vanilla or bluebell or whatever the hell you want to call that other kind is yeah. just not the move for me. So no, that's cool. I, I, my my last honorable mention I just want to mention was key lime pie. I like key, you know key Gross. lime pie flavored ice cream. Gross. Yeah. I think key lime. I I'm not a key lime guy, and it's another southern thing about me, I guess that that uh that that's not accurate i like most southern desserts but key lime pie is not one of them so yeah depends you, on how it's made but oh well you know go go follow us on twitter again that's down and out on twitter we'll put these up there you can vote on who you think list is the better i think it's me clearly i think you had me in the first round cookies and creams obviously a knockout hit but the rest of my supporting cast is pretty strong um I, i'm an a-list movie and evan's kind of just a, a c-list kind of in the dumps that the Paramount Networks didn't even want. So you know who to we'll vote talk, for. We'll, we'll talk about this afterwards. We'll, we'll, <clears throat> we'll talk privately. Yeah, we will. But it's actually, it's. I don't want to close the podcast now because I'm just going to get verbally abused since I'm gone. But no, I'm just kidding. He's not going to do that to me. Folks, it's been fun. Thank you for bearing with us. I know we took that kind of the road through sports and an ice cream, but that's what we do here. We keep it fresh. We keep things loose. Thank you for tuning in to Down and Out. It's been a lot of fun with you guys tonight. Like I said earlier as well, when the Elite Eight is over with, we're going to come back next week, talk all things college basketball, all things sports, have another little fun category to talk about with you guys. Thank you all. Evan, any last parting words to give to the people? Uh, no, not really. Just, uh, roll motherfucking tide. And, uh, hopefully I'll be talking to you guys with a smile and not tears on whatever day we end up recording. Yeah. And and for my sake, recording this podcast with him, I do hope so too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go. Let's get out of here. It's late. I'm ready for bed. Riva Derchi folks till next time. This has been down and out. We'll see you soon. Later.